You're listening to the Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide Podcast. Hey, if your journey down the proverbial rabbit hole has cost you friends and family, or maybe it's just convinced your loved ones that you're a little bit crazy, this podcast is for you. Nothing's off limits. We're going to cover it all from a biblical worldview. There's going to be humor, insight, and validation for your journey. So join us as we learn to walk through this crazy world as a Christian truther, as we shed every ounce of willful ignorance so we can fulfill our destiny and leave a legacy. This is John. I'm going to be your host today for the Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide podcast. The title of my talk today is The Pervasive Fallacy That Everyone's a Shill. <laughs> you know, you found out some things over there on those kook channels. And of course, you were just as surprised as you could be. Remember Gomer Pyle on Andy Griffith? Surprise, surprise, surprise. I mean, you didn't know Michelle Obama was a man, did you, back in the beginning? And you saw her on Ellen DeGeneres' show. Ellen DeGeneres, with, with Michelle had the bulge in her pants. Oh, yeah, she had those white pants on, buddy. Buddy uncle. And then, of course, 9-11 took the wind right out of your sails. That was like 20 years ago now, I think. I don't remember when that was. This wasn't 20 years ago. 9-11, 2011, 2022, so that's 2024, so that's 12 years ago. Okay, my mom was a CPA. I didn't inherit that gene. Just back up a little bit. All right, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and say 9-11 was a game changer for you, wasn't it? But see, your mistake was... You thought everybody was going to be like you. <laughs> Silly you. Silly you. You didn't know that God has wired you as an alpha mama. All right? Let me just talk to the ladies for a second. Okay? So you alpha mamas can move mountains. See, man was just the prototype when God was creating us. Then he created the final version, ladies. That's you. See, you do all the heavy lifting in childbirth. I mean, let's break it down. The man just pushes the boat out into the water, but you ladies do all the rowing. Right? And I say God bless you for that. Okay, but, you know, all of us truthers are coming into the realization that we have a destiny in this. We got a destiny to fulfill. And so you're inquisitive, and you have integrity, and you don't like being led around by the nose. And you've always had a not-on-my-watch type of an attitude, haven't you? Even if it was about something dumb, like making the coffee at the Sunday potluck, you just took charge. You just jumped into the fray. So when you started finding out some of these big conspiracy theories, like your earth is flat with a dome over it, you live in a snow globe. Frankly, you got a little ticked off. 
And you were like, I'm going to have to take umbrage with this. Did you ever take umbrage for something? You know that the dictionary says umbrage is when you feel offended, hurt, or upset by something, often without good reason. Well, if the Lucys are spraying me with aluminum particulate and barium salts, and God knows what else from the skies, then I think I have good reason to take umbrage. What do you think? I remember this one college professor I talked with, and this guy was in academia up to his eyeballs. I mean, he walked the halls of higher learning like 20 dudes. He was in the scientific community. I can't remember exactly what he did, but when he found out the earth was flat, he knew all of academia was lying. He knew the upper echelons for sure had to know. And maybe some of the rank and file, you know, drank the Kool-Aid, but he was ticked. So if that's you, welcome to the party. We're glad you're here. You can join our little posse anytime. You don't have to be alone. We are an equal opportunity podcast, but I'll tell you, we are specifically catering to the truth of community that are Bible-believing, born-again, spirit-filled believers. So I'm talking to the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, who have uh, you know, gone over here into the fringe of society and found out some things. And then you just found out the majority of people, though, in your church don't know and don't want to know, including Pastor Mo and his two assistant pastors, Larry and Curly. The majority of them are acting like non-player characters, and their response to you is going to be more baffling than the conspiracies themselves. Your friends and family especially are not going to cut you an inch of slack, so you're in for a rough ride. You know, in my case, my beloved wife, who I love to this moment, divorced me after 24 years of marriage. She said, I can't handle your beliefs. I don't want to be married to you. We're in two different worlds. I'll go back with her, you guys. If she repented, she called me up. Listen, I'm sorry. I found out the earth is flat. You aren't crazy. You know, there's a lot we got to talk about, but, you know, let's get back together. Boom. I will be out of here. I didn't leave my wife. I was asked to leave. I have subscribers tell me the same thing. And somehow that's very validating. It gives you some sort of assurance that you're not crazy. She may have mishandled some of the responses in discovering all these things, but for the most part, I'm here to tell you it's not your fault. I know I mishandle things. I got childhood trauma, I got anger, I got disrespect, I got, you know, pulling back my emotions from people that are rejecting me, even my children or my wife. Trying to navigate this shark infested journey is no joke. But what I've found is it's the, it's the normie that pulls the ripcord on the relationship, not the truther. And Jesus told you, dear soul, it's not your fault. He said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword, and the members of your household will be your enemies. And that's because the truth divides people. We saw that very clearly with the vax rollout. The introduction of the forced medical emergency, the fake medical emergency, drove a wedge between a lot of marriages that ended up in divorce. Tons of them. So we're here covering this truther journey every week so you can figure out how to walk through this world as a Christian truther. But I'm going to go ahead and segue over to the headlines now. This is our Sons of Issachar update. Sons of Issachar were men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 
So they were full-blown conspiracy theorist kooks living in their mom's basement over there in First Chronicles 12.32. All right, well, it looks like the European Commission has acquiesced to the pressure brought on them by the European farmers and their little tractor protest. According to all the news outlets, the European Commission is going to be dropping portions of its proposal for a new 2040 goal aimed at cutting greenhouse gas pollution, and they're cutting out the requirement to reduce agriculture production by 30%. So they're trying to convince the world that farming is going to kill us when it's been going on for centuries. And cow farts are going to kill you, and your own carbon footprint is going to kill you, so we got to tax you to death and put you in a 15-minute city. I mean, does it take two brain cells to see that these people are just homicidal maniacs that are trying to for, you know, trick us into dying? So in referencing this article, though, as an example of how activism still works, even if everyone you're trying to influence is a shill, we're not in the camps yet, okay? So according to Zero Hedge, the FBI is now stating that the Biden administration's radical southern border policies have led to the greatest invasion of migrants this nation has ever seen. You think? including a significant number of military-aged men from around the world. FBI says this situation has raised alarm bells within the FBI, prompting the head of the federal agency to alert local law enforcement agencies across the U.S. in a meeting last week. Well, this article is the kind of thing that drives us crazy and why we believe everyone's a shill. Why is the FBI alerting local enforcement, law enforcement? Why aren't they going to arrest Biden? I mean, that's the end of my analysis on that article. Will someone please arrest someone? Somebody needs to arrest some people. I'll give you the list. Who needs to be arrested? Because we all know who those people are. Okay, let's do it that way. Right, let's, let's move on to Tucker Carlson. So we got this guy, Tucker Carlson. He's interviewing the Russian president, body double, doppelganger. Okay, this is another perfect example of multidimensional analyzation of these events. You have to look at so many different factors to try to come up with any kind of rational evaluation. Because the guy that you're looking at is not Putin. If you look at the body, the face of Putin when he was with Bill Clinton, it's a totally different guy. So you've got Tucker Carlson, who's presented as being too honest and too conservative for Fox News, wanting to report on the Jan 6 videos. But you know we're told he has integrity and he refused to compromise, so they got rid of him. And he then went off on his own and was able to land this interview with the Putin body double. But, you know, the body double guy is, is some enigma. You don't, you don't really have a grid for, like, a real president of a company. He's a controlled dude. He's, like, not even real almost, right? So how do you evaluate anything that comes out of his mouth? All right, so then you have to decide if Tucker Carlson's actually a man with a soul that doesn't have some secret agenda and that he's actually just been able to move up into the system is that is that in any way possible? Most truthers would say absolutely not. He's controlled opposition. He's a shill. And the primary reason that they say that 
is because there's a presumption that anybody that gets up into the higher echelons of anything in the power structure in this day and age has to be a shill by default. But I would like for you to consider for your, yourself for one moment. Now, I'm quite sure you don't consider yourself a shill. And let's just say you're like me and you go and set up a YouTube channel and you start to try to make a difference. You're not a shill, but you're, you're just starting to try to do good in society. And then you get attacked and censored and shadow banned like they do to my channel. But in your mind, because you're a low level operative, or, or I am, you know, the fact that the power structure is coming after me or you doesn't immediately equate to you or me being a shill. So if you have a YouTube channel that gets censored, you don't believe you're a shill. And so good people that get attacked don't always equate to someone being a shill. That's my point. Okay, so instead, my observation is that most people believe that anybody that does good and is attacked is more and more likely to be a shill the farther up the power structure that they go from independent journalists, meager YouTube guy, you know, up to local politician. It could still be um, a person, not a shill. The regional politician, the state politician, the federal politician. I don't disagree that that analysis is correct. In other words, the, the higher up you go, the less possibility it is. I disagree with absolutism. My contention is that it's arrogant to suggest that it's impossible that someone could get into any position of power, like Tucker Carlson, a reporter and a journalist. I don't believe it's impossible because of God. I don't think it's impossible. I disagree with you. And I don't really know if Tucker Carlson is controlled opposition or not. So what happens is we see them in the higher positions and we immediately assume they're controlled opposition. And then we see them do the Freemason handshake and we see them going back on their word and we see them follow the money trail and we see what they don't say. And we start to compile this portfolio of evidences against them. And the more they are there, the more, you know, where the smoke, there's fire. I get it. But I think the pendulum needs to swing the both ways because you can also slip into cynicism, which essentially will impair your ability to properly discern what's going on. The EU is coming out and wanting to sanction Tucker for meeting with Putin body double. And Boris Johnson is slamming Tucker as a traitor for the Putin interview. So this is what I see. We see somebody that's being presented as good, Tucker Carlson, in the power structure, and then we see them getting attacked, and most truthers immediately equate that to he's a shill. And what you have to consider is that it is possible that there are degrees of shilling, because everybody has an agenda. When you think about it, Tucker Carlson, you, you have an agenda. I have an agenda. I'm a shill for God. But it's not a hidden agenda. That's when somebody's a shill, when they have a hidden agenda that's essentially bad for you. But maybe Tucker Carlson's agenda is that he's just still a ball earther and he believes 9-11 was an inside job. I think he finally admits that's not an inside, or it is an inside job. Uh, maybe he still believes the moon landing. Like he's not really awake, but he's conservative about a lot of things. 
but he's not an anti-human operative. That's possible. And then a real problem is if I dare to even pose these types of questions, the majority of truthers will immediately write me off in indignation for being so gullible, when all I'm really trying to do is challenge the truther community to begin to think for themselves and not be ruled by people's decrees about what is and isn't. But you're seeing all-out tyranny being rolled out. Klaus Schwab is calling for banks to debank people that propagate conspiracy theories. Oh, you mean like a guy that writes a book called The Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide? Yeah, and then the EU commissioner is calling for taxing firms that refuse to leave Russia. So they're going to use the banking system and the IRS to attack anybody that gets out of line. And the last headline I'd like to mention is an axe-wielding Iranian migrant was shot dead during a hostage standoff aboard a Swiss train. And this kind of thing can happen anywhere now that we've dropped bombs on Iran and Syria. I've got two words for you, sleeper cell. So that's my little public service announcement that you might want to consider getting a concealed permit, keeping your head on a swivel, avoiding large crowds, and like in Israel, Typically, a husband and wife will rarely go to the mall together. So if there happens to be a bombing that day, the children won't be complete orphans. And I believe we're right around the corner from America being like that. Having said that, I'm going to go ahead and transition to our talk today, which is entitled The Pervasive Fallacy That Everyone's a Shill. I hope it helps you. There has been something going through my, my mind for quite a while. Uh, a long time, this topic. And what happens with me is as I'm thinking about something over time, I know it's the Lord starting to prompt me to talk about it. Because what happens is I'll start to have conversations with people one after another, and they'll all tell me the same thing. So they'll be talking about how they're feeling like they can't, they have no motivation they just want to pull the covers over their head and, and stop engaging in their mind in anything, right? So I didn't really know how to crystallize this in my mind until recently. <clears throat> so I, I really believe this is a word for the Lord for our Christian fellowship here. And this is essentially uh, how we evaluate whether someone is genuine or not because there's so many voices in the marketplace if you're trying to like grope around and figure out what's going on uh is someone genuine are they a shill right simply because they have a different view or belief system than you though <clears throat> is there a difference between somebody that is just not enlightened yet on a certain topic and someone that is a premeditated liar i think there's a big difference I think that's a yes. And so if, if you name the name of the Lord, then we need to start walking in the fear of God before we start labeling people as basically criminals. Because we're going to find ourselves on the wrong side of God's good pleasure. So this is a passage which speaks about this idea that you can know, or you, you can get better at knowing and discerning things. It's Hebrews 5.14. 
But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So you, it's like a muscle. You can get better at discerning if someone's lying or if they're, you know, legit. So, you know, we're all normies at some point, and then we come into the kingdom of truth, and we're trying to figure out what's going on out there, but it's really become impossible to know how to make any sense of what's real. The president's wearing a mask, right? Biden's got a mask on. There's so many documented examples of people that are in the power structure on the TV turning up as clones or body doubles. I mean, the most recent version of Jamie Foxx is a really bad job. His skin is like three tones lighter than the real Jamie. And his shape of his head's totally different. But they threw him out there. And there's like at least four different Hillary's I've seen. One's long, short, fat, skinny. Then, you know, Biden is filming in a TV studio in L.A. and it's supposed to be in the White House. And CNN's using green screens to fake wars. And they busted doing that. And then there's deep fake voices or the images of you that can really, the voice especially, you could basically attack anybody with the fake voice of the person saying whatever you want them to say. That's going to become common. How are you going to know? There's probably software that you can have to determine if it was deep fake, but maybe eventually it won't even be able to tell. There was a video of the Pope. He was standing in a, in a balcony and he turns around to walk away and he just disappears. So he was a hologram. And then, of course, you have the whole reality of the transpocalypse, which makes taking anyone in public seriously very difficult when you... If you size them up and the man's head is a woman's head and her finger is longer than the ring finger and the shoulders are drooping the wrong way and all this gait of her walk, is it's all wrong. They're the opposite. It's really hard to try to take them seriously and, you know, think that what they're actually saying has any meaning. On top of all that, you now have the additional mind blow of the fact that the Bible, the, the timelines are changing realities are shifting so you know you have to now and try to interpret what's going on at this multi-dimensional level where you know is this a real time stream or is this a different time stream right for instance like the mud floods let me come back on the screen here the mud floods and the and the um, melted buildings and even the the architect, right, these ornate buildings that are impossible to have been built in the time frames that we're told, what if that's another timeline? If the mud flood and the melted buildings and the architect are a timeline shift, that makes it much different how you're going to interpret that, right? You follow me? And so if it's not, if those are true, those are actually our correct timeline, then what's probable is that we're in a period of time where there's a thousand years missing from the calendar. So we're actually in the year, the year 1024 right now. <laughs> now that doesn't, if that doesn't mess you up, man, I don't know what will. I mean, so, right, so with all of that, you're trying to 
come up with some, you know, position about a person, their character, are they a shill or some geopolitical opinion about, well, Trump is this and Biden is that, and they're not even the real people. Forget about having conversations with normie friends and family. That's a whole nother level, right? I imagine now that I know about these buildings going, if my family was with me and I know the buildings weren't built in the real way they were told, were told, and they're like, oh, isn't that building beautiful? And I'm just sitting there going, hmm. Uh, so we're really looking at this whole issue, though, of are people primarily in the power structure? What are they legit or are they all fake? So right now, if I had to guess, there is a white hat scenario. And I believe the white hat scenario is true, but not the way that you might think. So Trump and the White Hats are running the military and they are going to come out and arrest everyone, but it's because they're supposed to win and then bring in the Noahide laws and the Antichrist if we're before the tribulation. If we're after the tribulation, that's a whole nother set of things that they're going to do. So in other words, if Trump's a shill, he's not a shill for the Black Hats, in my opinion. He's a shill for the White Hats, which are the same as the Democrat Republican. It's the two wings of the same bird. And it's now time for the White Hats to come in and Trump is brought in to expose the deep state and to expose the darkness. And those guys are going to get phased out and the White Hats come in. But they're all Freemasons as well. Because that'll be a much easier sell, right? Isn't that make sense? It'll be a much easier sell to create their one world government when it's everybody singing Kumbaya and they got the med beds and they got the, you know, zero point energy and everybody's singing Kumbaya. No. Everybody except the Christians will be. <laughs> we will be, you know, under the Noahide laws. Because if we're after the millennial reign, listen to this. If the, if the fake history indicates that the, the tribulation of the millennial reign has already happened, that means the Antichrist has already come. And so what they're doing is they're now, they're orchestrating things to, us into believing that the Antichrist hasn't come yet. And they're putting markers out like Israel becoming a state then becomes a, a fulfillment of prophecy that one generation after that Christ will come. And they just created that state to make that prophecy happen. And that's the kind of mental gymnastics that we are having to try to consider. And of course, the Bible changing has also placed us in a position, many of us, where we are now considering things that we would have never considered previous to this. We're questioning the canon. We're questioning the, oh, the book of Enoch. We're questioning the church system. It's perilous times, was what Peter said. But under this narrative, they may have gone to great lengths to trick us into thinking that the tribulation hasn't happened yet. So they created the fake Israel becoming a state to give you fake events in history that appear to be prophetic markers that Christ is still coming within one generation of Israel. So under these scenarios, one possibility is Trump is a shill for the White Hats. Now, if that's true, think about this. Maybe what we're, because we're trying to, we're trying to figure out are these battles that we're watching, Trump being sued, they just 
you know, sued him for 87 million that, that went through and all these battles. Is this real or is it all fake? Well, what if the black hats are told they have to die now for their God to allow the white hats to take over, but they decided they don't want to. So maybe, maybe what we're seeing is the black hats resisting their assignment to fall on their sword and pass the baton to the white hats. Think about that one. <laughs> it's possible. And I think that's really my point in this whole thing is to inject the concept in all of our minds that it's possible that you're that you don't know you you don't typically we don't really know what's happening because there's so many levels of madness out there now and so it's very inappropriate to be extremely dogmatic if you start labeling somebody ill when they maybe they just have a different opinion than you well let's just come back to reality a little and look at the politics so the people that we see in power are supposedly put in there by our votes to represent us, but it's really just lip service. Presidents haven't been elected for many, many years. I believe there was a time when they were actually genuinely elected, but now they're appointed. So it's, it, it's understandable that a lot of us have become completely and utterly cynical. Cynical, fatalistic, suspicious, like a mug, and just like you know, what's the use? It just seems no matter what special counsel's appointed or whatever investigation is launched, at the end, we're always told, oh, there's nothing rose to the level of criminality here, so there's no indictments. Or it violates national security, so everything's been redacted. And we just expect that now. We, we're so jaded, you know, we're like, I want to call for a special counsel that calls on a, for a special counsel that calls for a special counsel. That's how ridiculous it is. And of course, any of us that behaved like these lunatics in the business world would go to prison, but not these people. In fact, the lawfare, lawfare is now being used regularly to neutralize and punish political opponents or anyone with a soul trying to do good. You know, the, They'll come after you, indict you for whatever. But I've been noticing that people will immediately brand someone a shill if they do good. Anybody that does good is branded a shill. Because that's what I'm saying. We're so cynical, we don't believe anything good from anybody. And I think that's a superficial evaluation in some cases, not all. Basically, the higher up you go in the political structure, the more certain we are that they're a shill, right? As you come down in the mid-level and lower-level federal employees, there's good people in there. It's compartmentalized, but they're not out to get us. And then, of course, state and local level, everybody's not a shill. I think most people would agree with that. So I'm not saying we should let our guard down, but I think there may be some benefit from the idea that we have been played by on both ends, essentially. Maybe the pendulum might need to swing back the other way a little bit on this topic, so we can avoid exhibiting some classic normie behavior. Because, you know, as truthers, what we've done is we've stopped listening to corporate news, and now we're trying to figure things out by listening to truther news. Isn't that right?
we've changed our, our news sources to independent journalists, which if you think about it, essentially is different people that are also trying to figure out by listening to other people. And so for most of us, we form our worldview based on other people's worldview. <laughs> Isn't that right? God's gracious. Isn't that how it works? So most of us, our worldview is essentially an amalgamation of other people's worldviews. That means on some stuff you really don't know, you think you know. And essentially what we do is we'll watch, we'll watch certain people over long periods of time and watch how accurate they are. They said this was going to happen and it did happen. And we use discernment. And we just sense that they're, they're real people. They're not out to get us. And, and so we build a little corral of three or four or five people that we know and trust, and we just kind of listen to them. I mean, unless you have somebody live, you know, that you know personally that's high up in the power structure, how else do you figure out what's going on? That's it. We watch someone tell you what's going on, and that person had somebody tell them what's going on. Uh, but it's good to decouple from the global media, the corporate media, the dinosaur media. Once in a while, I'll check in. I'll watch CNN for five, ten minutes. It's really interesting. It's so creepy now when you look at it. Because that media is run by, you know, Lucy's. Psycho mobsters, man. These people are like Bill Gates, creepy, snickering in interviews, talking about the next plague that's coming. Where conversely, a citizen journalist doesn't answer to anyone. No one is paying me a salary, right? No one's forcing me to talk about anything. And so citizen journalists typically are going to be motivated by the right reasons. They just, you know, they love the truth. They want to make a difference. They're, they're uh, going after social change. And so you'll typically get an honest treatment of what they found. And that's good. It seems like a step in the right direction. But then around the same time, we discovered the media was lying. We found the media was lying because the people that own the media are the Lucy's, the blood drinkers. And that kind of puts you in a very small place. It's very, very challenging to find out that you live in a science fiction horror movie, especially if your friends and family don't. But what it does is it tends to make you cynical and jaded and then you start watching, you know, politicians promising things. And then immediately they to a mea culpa, like remember Trump, Trump campaigned for I don't know how many months, lock her up. Everybody was chanting lock her up at all this all this rallies. And then right in the acceptance speech, really early on too. hey, you know, Hillary's not so bad. I remember sitting there going, Oh, man, you know, because we all had, a lot of us had hopes that somehow this was like a miracle or whatever. But when he said that, I was like, man, come on. Because that's what we're used to. But that kind of nonsense just makes you draw back. It makes you withdraw your consent for, you know, participating in the PTA meeting or the city council meeting or, you know, looking into anything. But here's what I want to tell you. No empires were ever built by cynics. No wars have ever been won by cynics. No fortunes have ever been created by cynics. And there are no monuments proudly erected to a cynic. 
It is not a good quality. The definition of a cynic is a person who believes that people are motivated purely by self-interest rather than acting honorably. That's what a cynic is. A cynic believes everybody's selfish and has bad motives. In other words, everybody's a shill. If you find yourself branding people as a shill all the time or a crook, then you are maybe a cynic. And uh, it's just, it's not, you know, like I said before, I'm not suggesting that we let our guard down or become naive. But if you've ever just had a disagreement with somebody and then they call you a shill, you'll understand what I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm going to give permission to people to push back against this sentiment. That's my goal. I'm not a shill. You're not a shill. There's two right there. Well, we got 60-something people on here. There's, there's 60 of us that aren't shills right there. Right? I'm not preaching peace, peace when there is no peace. I'm not suggesting we embrace false hopes. I'm not saying that I know something you don't. I'm not trying to sell you the narrative that good things are about to happen. All I'm saying is that most of us really don't know what's really happening, but we enjoy acting like we do. We really do. I do. It's called bravado. At the best, all we're all doing is making an educated guess. So, so I'm, I'm talking to believers, though, who have a guidebook for how they conduct their life. And I'm just saying in Jesus' name, if you're going to take it upon yourself to call someone what amounts to a criminal, you better know what you're talking about. Now, I do believe that this may be a PSYOP on the truther community. If you want to co-op the truthers, you want to neutralize them, just inject this idea that everybody's a shill, and now, you know, it has a chilling effect. It's, it's possible. It's ingenious, if that's true. And now, even if it's true, like, let's just say it is true, everybody is a shill, it still, you know, requires us to have the right response which is, I'm going to occupy till he comes. This is our greatest hour. This is the chance to get glory. Getting glory is okay. That's a good motive. In fact, Jesus taught us to have enlightened self-interest. He said, when you throw a feast, don't invite your friends who can pay you back, but rather I tell you, invite the sick, the lame, and the halt, and then your reward will be in heaven. That's not us coming to God with our, our lawyers and saying, hey, we'd like to make an offer, see if you'll accept it. He brought the offer to us. He told us, you can win something. You can win what's behind door number two if you do this. If you do this, I'll do this. If you forsake your own personal comfort, and instead of inviting your friends who can pay you back, this is what he said, invite the street people, I'll, I'll make note of that. And when you get to heaven, there'll be another addition on your house or something like that. That's what Jesus said. So in a similar way, as things become darker, seize the moment, right? In other words, this is the greatest times to be alive, not the worst. Does that make sense? I know I'm, I'm saying that for somebody. If that was you, send me an email at pleasewakeuporelse at gmail.com and tell me, yes, John, that was for me. Praise the Lord.
right? Then come out on Mondays at 7 and we'll go to work together. To change the world, yeah. So I asked somebody, what does it mean if, if somebody's a shill? And basically the person's answer was, it's somebody that doesn't speak their mind. They don't, you know, they don't tell you what's really, what they really believe. They're holding back. So that's what it means to be a truther is that you refuse to compromise. Isn't that right? That's what makes a truther a truther. They go wherever the truth tells, brings them. No matter what it costs you. There's a donation link too in the, in the chat if you want to help us out. All right, it means that if you're a truther, you don't issue edicts as truth when you don't really know if it's true or not. So this brings me to my first observation, which is, well, I've already stated it. it we, we call people shills when we don't really know if they're a shill or not. Actually, I have the definition of shill here. All right, a shill, also called a plant or a stooge, is a person who publicly helps or gives credibility to a person or organization without disclosing that they have a close relationship with that person. So terms that we'll see are they're a gatekeeper, they're a disinfo agent, they are controlled opposition. So I remember the guy that was the, the head of the Flat Earth Society, he would show up at an interview with a big rock and then he would say, yeah, I was at the edge of the earth and I got this rock there. So he, they would talk about truth, but then they inject goofy stuff to, to discredit the whole thing. So you're, you're like genuinely inquiring and then you see this guy interviewed and you're like, oh, this is dumb. It's not true. That's how they turn people away. So that's controlled opposition. If you can't stop a movement, you go in and you co-opt it. You take it over. Their goal is to get you to follow them and then seduce you into accepting half-truths. So a good example is Miley Cyrus was the innocent Hannah Montana uh, until she got big enough following and then they sprung the trap and turned her out as a salacious lust kitten, publicly flaunting her sexuality in the most provocative ways possible, like on the MTV Awards, undulating, so that a whole generation of preteen girls were drawn into her new persona and emulated her. It's ingenious. They do it with a lot of those Mickey Mouse Club members. They're like breeding them in the basement of Disney. And then, of course, all the parents just continue to allow their kids to feast on this filth because they don't want to offend their kids. It's called raising your children. All right, so I, I had one interaction with a subscriber. This is a, a year or two ago. And I was sharing about David Hogan, who's a hero of mine. He's a missionary to Mexico, and he has the testimony of raising people from the dead. He went down there based on a word from God, and for five years almost died regularly, tried raising people from the dead for five years and never worked. And finally, he went to this little hut, and he raised this little kid from the dead. And after that, he started being able to do it. And then he taught other people to do it. And his team, the last time I checked, had raised over 500 people from the dead. It's what it says in the Bible. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. Just because you're not doing it doesn't mean people can't do it. They're dead raisers. He went down there. He said, I want to, he, he said, what do you want me to do, God? And he read through, his, 
he saw Elijah or somebody raising somebody from the dead. He goes, I want to do that. I want to be a dead raiser. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sharing this, some of his testimonies. They're unbelievable. And uh, this poor soul posted on my channel, oh, David Hogan is a warlock. I said, really? I said, what made you decide that? So I started to engage her. And I went back and forth with her for three days trying to get a straight answer from her. And uh, I, I kept saying, well, that's not proof. Do you have any proof? And finally, finally, she said, I have a video. Okay, well, send me the video. So she sends me the video. And uh, I listened to the whole thing. It was like 10 minutes. And in one sentence, this unknown person says, David Hogan's a warlock. So I, I respond back. I said, do you have any other proof? She said, no. I said, well... Well, due respect, the Bible says not to receive an accusation against an elder unless it's confirmed in the mouth of two or more witnesses, and not to rebuke an elder but to reprove him as a father. These are these are biblical imperatives that we're supposed to follow before we publicly start calling a man of God a, a warlock who. You know, I would personally be very fearful of, of God to just take it upon myself to speak evil of a man who runs an international ministry, missions organization, involving tens of thousands of people. Who, This guy has single-handedly converted the entire region of Mexico where he is to the gospel, including large areas that were formerly run by drug cartels. The majority of people he's won Christ live in territories that were run by the drug cartels, villages. He has walked through fires so many times that, I mean, he's almost died a hundred times. And uh, God just delivered him. That he has reached patriarch status among those in the body of Christ that move in power. He's sought out by all these people, healing evangelists, missionaries, his life makes me cringe in shame at my own lack of Christ-likeness and the evidence of, of walking in demonstration and in power. Yet this person, to me, felt strangely comfortable to publicly disparage this icon of Christianity. This person, God bless them, didn't have the power to blow the fuzz off of a peach and this guy is raising people from the dead. So instead of being humbled, you decide to disparage him publicly and call him a warlock, which by the way, as far as I can tell, that's the unpardonable sin, is to associate the work of the Holy Spirit with the devil. That's what the Pharisees did. And Jesus told them that's the unpardonable sin. So basically I told her, your argument is unconvincing. I don't accept decrees and thank you for your interaction it was very informative so this this type of trigger happy accusation i find to be fairly common it's a sentiment that i see a lot in the truth or the christian truth or community and it it's people that walk that step out in faith and start laying hands on people and then, you know, like this guy did it for five years before anything happened. Did, did you ever try and pray for people over and 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 over for five years before anything 
ever happen and just keep doing it because you just doggedly determined to believe God that the Bible's true? No, but he did. And so God finally honored him. And I've seen that to be true with many people that seem to be able to get people healed. But what I've found is if you try to testify about these people, you're immediately, you solicit these types of, of posts where they're trying to tell you that they, they're fake, it's all fake, they're warlocks. And of course, because I'm speaking about these things, then of course, then I'm called a shill. That's what it's come to. It's an unholy boldness that people have if someone has a different view to just hack people off at the knees based on an unfounded opinion because it makes people feel powerful and significant. So that talking point is actually in that CIA bulletin from 67. The one where we get the, the term conspiracy theorist. Another one of the talking points is tell them that they are gravitate towards these things because they're insignificant or they're insecure and it makes them feel significant. That's a CIA talking point. Unfortunately, I do believe that it may be true with this tendency that people have to just label people a shill. And remember what it is about normies that we don't like about normies. Normies operate on decrees almost exclusively. So for instance, if you're a flat earther and you're trying to convince a normie that the earth is flat, what they're going to do is give you sound bites and a personal attack. That's stupid. The earth isn't flat. That was a personal attack and a, and a sound bite or a decree. The earth isn't flat is a decree that's no there's no uh you know i believe the earth is round because blah 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 now that's an intelligent discourse but you're stupid the earth is is not flat is a decree and a personal attack so in the truther community though you actually see the exact same thing playing out all the time this type of sophomoric response where you're talking let's say to a flat earther I'm a flat earther, you're a flat earther, and I'm talking to you, and I disclose that I'm also accepting the Mandela effect is happening. And they'll rise up and call you stupid and say the Mandela effect is ridiculous. It's the exact same response that you get from normies. And then what's worse is if your name is brought up in their circles later on, days, weeks later, that you're a flat earther, that person might say, oh yeah, he believes the earth is flat, but he also believes the Mandela effect is real, so he's a shill. And I'm just, I just came out tonight to say, let's tap the brakes on the shill talk, okay? Because shill means you're a criminal. Shill means you're a lion sack of dog biscuits. And that's different than I don't believe the same way you believe. So it's, this is what it's like. It's like two guys are talking about their favorite basketball team, and one guy says, yeah, I follow, the, I follow the Lakers. What about you? And the other guy says, oh, I follow the Celtics. And so the Laker guy, the first guy says, oh, I guess you murder people then, haven't you? Do you have dead bodies buried in your backyard? Does your wife know that you're a serial killer? And he's like, what are you talking about? And the Laker guy says, well, obviously, if you don't like the Lakers like I do, then you must have a secret agenda, which certainly equates to you being capable of anything. Therefore, it's obvious that you're like Jeffrey Dahmer. So do you eat your victims? The guy's like, what are you talking about? I bet you Jason's been accused of being a, a shill. <laughs> 
So the shill card is like a trump card. You can pull that out and just neutralize somebody. All right, so here's some, uh, you know, we're trying to be biblical about our life, right? You say you're a Bible believer, you're a Christian. Here's a, here's a scripture that gives you some instruction on how to bring some sort of accusation against somebody. Galatians 6.1, brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, in other words, if he's a shill, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted. Then you have all these different passages in Exodus 20, 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Exodus 23, 1. You shall not spread a false report. And there's just a ton of them here. First Peter, put away malice and deceit and slander. Psalms 15.3, who does not slander with his tongue and does, not, does no evil to his neighbor or takes reproach up? Leviticus 19.16, you shall not go around as a slanderer. Well, that's what you're doing. If you're calling somebody a shill and they're not a shill, you're a slanderer. All right, so let me get some specific examples here. I'm going to use Trump as a archetype, as an example, because he's so easy to, you know, pigeonhole him. Basically, I can only go, the number one criteria for determining if somebody really is a shill is they don't do what they say. I can only go by your actions, because you could say anything, but your actions are very often going to be the greatest indicator of whether you're genuine or not. Although, we now, we know that, that the overlords, the central planners, go to incredible lengths to deceive us. I mean, look at what they've done with NASA. NASA is an incredible extravaganza, three-ring circus of effort to try to trick all of humanity that they're actually sending people to the moon and the space shuttle and the ISS. All this stuff is fake. It's incredible undertaking with the pool. They're filming them in the pool. I mean, this is a lot of work. So they will fake stuff. So that means that the, the actions aren't necessarily proving that they're good. But let me give you an example of what I'm saying. A lot of us did have some hope in Trump when he first came on the scene. But when the when the vax get rolled out and he doubled down on the vax, that was the final straw for a lot of people. So that's my example of your actions don't line up with your words. What's worse, though, like I was talking about before, like on a higher consciousness level, is there any validity to the white hat narrative? Well, I would say most certainly there's validity to the white hat narrative. But how is it actually playing out? I believe that the white hat narrative may very well play out. We may very well see all these arrests. You just saw John Kerry step down, Pelosi step down. You had Roe versus Wade. You got, you know, all these different things that are the white hats are pointing to to show you. But what we have been framing it as is that there's a battle of patriots against the bad guys. But it's actually more likely the bad guys against the bad guys. It's like what we're told with the ETs. There's friendly ETs, and then there's the Dracos and the Cryptoids. No, 
They're all bad. They're all fallen angels. So I'm not a Trump supporter. I don't think Trump's coming to save us. I have focused, you know, I haven't focused on it, but I've kept my finger on the pulse of the white hat narrative. I've checked in on it over the years consistently just to hear what they're talking about. And um, these are people like Charlie Ward. Again, I'm not endorsing these people. I'm just saying these are the mouthpieces for the white hat narrative. Charlie Ward, Simon Parks, Mel Kay, Jocko, Juan Osavin, X-22 Report, Benjamin Fulford. Of course, General Flynn is, is a big name in that circle. And we watched Flynn recite word for word this prayer that this New Age witch lady recited when she was channeling some, um, what do they call it? An ascended master. She's supposedly channeling some ascended master issuing this prayer. And that's the prayer that General Flynn spoke word for word. So that's a that's sort of off-putting. And Charlie Ward, I was I was listening to him one time and he said the medbeds are coming and they have they have been given to humanity by the friendly ETs. He went on to say that there's the quantum financial system, which I am working on a message on. There is so much nonsense about that. That makes it obviously there's aspects, large aspects of the quantum financial system narrative that is obviously faked. It could be true, but it's to me, it's 90% faked. So that's what my research has found so far. But Charlie Ward's really big on that, and they're going to be a debt jubilee, and there's going to be everybody's going to get $7,500 a month or $5,000 a month if you're over 60, $7,500 a month, something like that. And then, then there's going to be all this money released for humanitarian. Now, listen to this. This is what he said. He and other people like him who have been appointed to be like trustees will be in a meeting with an ET. This is what he's saying on his, like this broadcast with like thousands of people. The ET will be there and they are able to discern whether you're lying or not. And, and then you're gonna come with your like Mother Teresa business plan of how you're gonna help humanity. And the ETs will decide if you're genuine, if you get the money, I kid you not. So you wanna run with people like that? I don't. That's the, the head of the, the white hat narrative people. Ernie shared with me something really bizarre about Simon Parks that had to do with his association with some ascended master who looked like a demon and all this stuff. So these people are in bed with the fallen angels and they think they're talking to ascended masters or whatever. They have no clue what they were involved in. See, really, a lot of these elites are deceived, obviously, right? There's a scripture, I think it's Isaiah 14, where it speaks about where Satan is finally revealed for who he really is to these people. And it quotes them. And they're saying, this is the deceived elite saying, is this the man that caused nations to tremble? Oh, yeah, they're going to find out they joined the wrong team. Their narrative is that God's a meanie and, and Satan's actually the good guy and he's going to come and be God. Because, you know, do what thou wilt. That's a better God, right? I can have my lust and I can have, you know, power and I don't have to, you know, live holy and submit to this holy God to have eternal life. I get to go with an avatar. 
I, I merge with machines? I can live forever that way? I'm going to go with that one. That's what they're thinking. No. God's going to interrupt that process. Let me show you these guys here. Supreme Court overrules Roe versus Wade. This ghoul, this guy, just stepped down. John Kerry. The, the, the climate czar. He's going around telling the people in the world, you have to shut down your farms because of the climate. The climate footprint of the farm is going to kill us all. No, you're going to kill us all by shutting off the food. What are you? But where is he going? I don't know. He's checking out. So is Pelosi. And so... But that's not enough. What we want to see is the perp walk with handcuffs, Bill Gates, Hillary in handcuffs, in the jumpsuits. Now, that's not to say also that non-Freemason white hats don't exist. When we typically talk about white hats, we're talking about people that want freedom and prosperity for the citizenry that are actually in positions of power. That's the like... The, the generic definition of a white hat. Then you have the Freemason version of the white hats who are really in control. And then you have the black hats. And who knows what's going to shake out this year. I think we're going to probably find out. So I think we'd all agree that the bad guys have been pretty successful at locking up the highest echelons of the government. And therefore, we draw the conclusion that people that are in those positions of power have to be a shill. You know, they have to pretend they're with the people and they're public servants when they're nothing of the kind. Because our assumption is that you can't get into that position unless you're on the playing ball with them. Now, is it possible? So this is this is my attempt to pose an alternative uh, interpretation of the evidence when I when I asked I asked four or five people over the last week um, do you believe Trump is a shill yes and then I said why okay so these are the main answers that I got and what I'm going to do is offer an alternative explanation for their answer not because I'm pro-Trump but just to give you an idea that you know just because somebody says something doesn't mean it's true. You have to think for yourself. That's basically what I'm saying. So the first reason is, well, Trump wouldn't be in office if he wasn't part of the deep state. Now, my, for, my question to that is why? why? How do they keep somebody out? Well, the first way is you need about $2 billion to run a presidential campaign now. And if you don't have it, they can easily shut the spigot off so you won't get it. However, Trump did have his own $2 billion, and it's feasible that he was able to run his own campaign. And then the other thing that they do is they will blackmail you. And from what I saw in the media, they tried to blackmail him and they couldn't find anything. So they had to make up stuff. I'm just saying, that's what the data sphere told me. Uh, another uh, another reason that I was given is that they said, I believe Trump is a shill because he's a Zionist. I said, how do you know he's a Zionist? And they said, because the Zionist banks bailed him out. So I looked into that. I read articles about it. 
And what the article said is the bankers bailed him out because Trump was making them millions of dollars and they didn't want him to stop. That's a, another possible explanation for the same evidence. It doesn't necessarily prove he's a Zionist. All right. And I'm not endorsing him. I'm just giving you permission to question people's assumptions. Another person I talked to said that Trump's a shill because he flashed a Freemason hand sign and the Freemason handshake. And so this was my response to that. Well, you might be right. Or you might have been mistaken, and it was just an innocent gesture of his hand. But I've got to go like this. Trump came in. Now, I'm just going by what I'm seeing, right? He came in, he reduced taxes, he reduced compliance, he made the economy boom, he got us out of wars, he got us out of the climate accord. I mean, he, every time he turned around, he was taking my breath away. He was doing things that we had all hoped and dreamed a president would do act normal and do right like stuff that's good for the country. You can't deny that was happening. And it was happening big. He broke the spell over the media like it was unbelievable. And then you go over here and you're telling me that all of that incredibly good stuff has all been allowed to happen to trick us into following him. They allowed the destruction of America to be reversed to trick us. And your proof of that is because he shook somebody's hand in a weird way. I'm sorry, but the evidence doesn't convince me he's, that he's a shill. Now, I, as I said, I do believe he's a shill, but not for that reason. Another person I asked, do you believe Trump's a shill? They said yes. And I said, why? And they said uh, his interactions with the Clintons. He went to parties with the Clintons. I said, well... That could prove that he's a shill, but also might prove that he was a business developer in New York when Hillary was the mayor, right? Or no, the governor. And he needed to press the flesh with the people that had in power so he could get the you know, permits and stuff. It doesn't mean he was part of their... It doesn't, it doesn't look like he went to Epstein Island, as far as I can tell. Now, I'm not naive... I've seen the videos where two congressmen are going at each other on the floor of the Senate. And they're just tearing each other to bits. And then they show them buddy, buddy, in, you know, in the hallway, yucking it up. Yeah, that was great. You really went for me, man. That was awesome. It's all fake. I get it. So all I'm saying is a shill president. This is another thing that the everyone's a shill narrative doesn't consider. They don't consider God. All right, so Red Storm, John, are you still in the Trump camp? Come on. I've got seven disclaimers, Red Storm, that I'm not in the Trump camp. Through this whole talk, I've said it over and over. I'm not endorsing Trump. You'll have to go listen to it again. One of the things that the Trump, that the narrative doesn't consider is the God factor. What if somebody is a shill or they're in positions of power and they get a visit from the angel of the Lord and they get converted? They wouldn't tell you about it. God raised up Cyrus, who was an evil king to deliver God's people. 
But even that's a struggle for most Christians because they're so set on God's judging America now. It's all judgment from here on in, and there's no victories. But that's not true. God always makes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. He's not judging those that are walking with him. He's giving us the weapons of our warfare and our carnal, and we're supposed to go out and use them, right? It was very dicey for the children of Israel when they left Egypt and they got to the Red Sea, and they were that's where that term, they were between a rock and a hard place, comes from. And what did God do? He parted the Red Sea. Or they needed to get to the walls of Jericho, and God brought the walls of Jericho to the ground for them. So I make no apologies if I, if I believe God could still do great things and keep us free. You want to be living in North Korea? I don't. But we become apathetic, and we've, we've, we've no longer have faith that God wants to do exploits among his people. God is not done with his people. Not until he's done. So I'm, I'm not pro-Trump. I'm pro-truther, and I'm pro-truther community. And all I've ever done for the last seven years is talk about the things that I've been observing in the community. And that's what I'm doing here today. And if it helps somebody so that you're not drawn into a narrative because some influencer or some content creator said so, then I've delivered my package. And you'll, you'll be more empowered to make your own choices. And that's what it means to be a truther. You think for yourself. Okay, so that's the first observation. The second one is, I've noticed that everyone is a shill has a very powerful chilling effect on our willingness to try to be an agent of change. And we are not called to be spectators. We have been born for such a time as this. So by convincing you that everyone's a shill and that there's no one that does anything that's good for the right reasons, you've become fatalistic, possibly, and maybe apathetic and hopeless. Has anybody have an, experienced that sentiment? You feel like you want to pull the covers over your head? You're not going to vote. You're not going to go have any kind of grid for doing anything. You're not going to think about it. I don't, I don't think about those things. People tell me, I don't get involved. And I say, okay, well, what do you do? Right? If you've ever watched the 2000 Mules movie that exposed the details of the election behavior that was bad, right? I have to be careful how I say it. And what you know is that these people that are trying to enslave us are not all powerful. They seem to be able to be defeated if enough people get involved. And if there is a surge of people this is what it seemed like, and I could be totally wrong. It seemed like if enough people actually voted, there was an avalanche of votes. All of their attempts to steal the vote were limited. They're not, they're not absolute, and it can be overcome. They aren't all powerful. I mean, they're censoring me. If you're a content creator you're, and you're talking about God or good things, you're going to get censored. Well, they're censoring us for a reason. They're not all powerful. They're afraid of us. They, they have to silence us because if they don't, we will be effective. Does that make sense?
right? If they're censoring us, they're doing it for a reason. Tell me if this doesn't make sense. Because we're so, like, limited in our resources. Like, we don't have analysts to go out and figure out what's going on, right? So I have to kind of just figure out what I do know. So first of all, I think I exist. I'm not a blip in a simulation, right? I'm a man. I was created in the image of God. I've been born again. Right? I live and move and have my being in Him. When I draw my last breath, I go to heaven. That's like, that's like set in stone. Everything else beyond that, like once I walk outside the door, it's a crapshoot. But let's not go overboard on like fantasizing about malfeasance and all this stuff. I look out and I look out on the landscape of society and what I see is we have a very good standard of living for comparatively speaking. There's other countries that have it better, but for the most part, it's really nice living here at this moment. It's fairly free. I mean, I know there's lots of tyranny, but you know, you can go out to eat, you know, drive around, you can go state to state. But it also seems clear that there are people that seem to want to take that away. Would you agree with that? There's forces at work constantly nipping away at our freedom, trying to enslave us. So I can see outside my door, there's this battle going on between people that want to live free and then these other people that don't want us to live free. And among the people that are doing the battle are politicians. And then you have the people above the politicians, Davos, and that whole hierarchy. Some appear to be good, but they're actually bad. Some appear to be bad, and they are bad. And then I believe there's some that appear to be good, and they are good. But the decisions that all these people make directly affect us, and they affect you. And my conversation this morning with my friend, Jerry, we were talking about where's our allegiance? Like, am I supposed to be patriotic if I'm a Christian? Do I have a duty to my country? All that? It's a personal conviction. God will send people into government, but it's going to be something that they'll call you to do. I would say most of us not. The apostles, and the, they didn't have any kind of political activism. But as things get worse and worse, your freedoms get more and more eroded. It sort of motivates you to be like, be like if I don't do something, I'm not going to have any freedom. So... At a certain point, it sort of gets everybody off the pot. you got, got to start doing something. Maybe, I don't know. I guess you don't. That's sort of as far as it goes, as far as your understanding of reality. You're no, you know you belong to God, and you know that there's a world out there that's sort of free, and it's going towards not free. And then you have to decide, what am I supposed to do, God? Because you're not going to change it. <laughs> All you can do is change their little, your little world around you your little center of influence i mean i'm reaching people and stuff but we're not going to stop the book of revelation to be fulfilled or whatever's coming there's a couple of other things with trump he was he had a cult activity in his background you know he was obviously a womanizer and he had dabbles in the occult but again it's really what he's done what he does that is going to be the determining factor if i believe he's a shill there's other things that people said, but I saw I'm going to say.
That's all I'm gonna say, Charlene. Right now, there is a... Whew, looks like a civil war on the border. Um, so the governor of Texas finally said, that's it. I'm defying the federal government. And now 26 other governors, all the Republican governors, have, have vowed to support him against the federal government. So, okay, so this is the last thought I'll give you. So let's try to evaluate that. What does that mean in the scheme of shieldum? Our, so my point is that I think that this concept that everybody's a shill forces you into a superficial evaluation of situations where in order for you to believe everybody's a shill, you have to then believe that what you're observing is all staged. And that, to me, is pretty irrational. A lot of it's staged, but not all of it. So, for instance, with the governors, okay, you might have governors, they're Republican, they're conservative, they might actually not be totally corrupt. They're probably corrupt, but they're not as corrupt as Gavin Newsom, or what is that woman, in New, the governor of New York, that's implementing, oh my gosh, New York is becoming like Australia. Um, I can't remember her name. So, so you've got these governors in a linear scale of corruption from low to high, from the really nice, good old boy, Tennessee governor of Tennessee or whatever, and then Gavin Newsom on, on, or the governor of New York at the high end of the spectrum. And what happens is, if enough pressure comes on them, they'll do good. So if hundreds of people start picketing at their house and thousands start marching on City Hall, they will reverse their decision and for at least they'll take a fallback position, right? So, so in other words, the, the thing that they're doing now is a good thing. And that everybody's a shill narrative wants you to believe that the good thing that they're doing is all fake. It's all just theater. No, I don't believe it. Not all the time, especially at the state level. What I believe is that they are actually not anti-human. They don't want us to all dead. Now, they may have their ticket to the bunker, but as, as long as they're still here, they're going to respond to the, to the pressure of the moment, and they're actually going to fight. So you've got the federal and the state governments actually brawling going to a, you know, a civil war type showdown right now. Let me try to clarify what I'm trying to say. If you believe that everyone's a shill, then it tends to have a chilling effect. So you won't believe that you can have any type of effect. For instance, recently the farmers over in the UK decided they had enough and they got all their tractors and they stormed the Bastille, right? They drove into town. Now, do you think the farmers are shills or are they just normal people? I don't think there are many people that would agree with you that the farmers are part of the big conspiracy to fool you. All right, so then what happened was because they put all this pressure on the government, the government conciliated and offered them like $400 million in subsidies and they went home. So the farmers won.
So my point is, if the farmers had the mentality that everybody's a shill, there's no use in even trying. Now, the other thing is, if you're correct, so all of the governors in this example are bought and paid for. And Davos and the Bilderberg Group planned this 10 years ago, right, to bring us to civil war. So this is all just part of the plan, whatever the plan is. But, it, you know, in the everybody's a shill narrative, the governor's siding with Abbott doesn't have anything to do with the fight for freedom or good motives. It's all part of a plan to trick us. My point is this. If you believe that, even if it's true, it has a chilling effect. And so you will have no ambition to try to be an agent of change. You become passive. You become apathetic and fatalistic. If the farmers believed that everyone's a shill, they wouldn't have gotten in their tractors and drove up there. Or the truckers wouldn't have done anything. So even if the people are a shill, you can still force them to do the right thing at this point. We're not in total tyranny yet. How about that observation? So all of you content creators and critics that say there's no white hat coming to save us. Yes, there is. It's me. And it's you. You sound like the children of Israel when they were rebuking Moses, saying, you brought us out here in the wilderness to kill us. We want to go back to Egypt where we had the flesh pots and the scallions and all the leeks and all that. That's you. You sound like the 10 spies that said, we can't go in there. There's giants in there. We're like grasshoppers. But the two spies said, we are well able to take the land. Now, you sound content creator. It says there's no white hat scenario, that there's no grace from God anymore. It's all death and destruction from here on in. You sound like the children of Israel when they went up against Goliath. Their knees were knocking together. And here comes this little teenager, David. And God had delivered the lion into his hands, delivered the bear into his hands. And so when he came up here and he saw the giant, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of God? What the Bible says about the two spies is that they had a more excellent spirit. And the everybody is a shill message is the opposite of an excellent spirit. It's not naive. It's not unlearned and soft and not in the know. That's you. I'm saying you're naive because you're discounting God intervening, like the flood, like the Tower of Babel, like angelic injections, like all kinds of times when God interrupted things, like the walls of Jericho or the sun standing still over Agilon. God is unrealistically optimistic. And he is giving us the opportunity to do exploits in the face of this. So as truthers, we keep pulling back the veil over and over and every time we pull back the veil, we find that the world system is more fake than we ever imagined. I understand that. So my message to you is very simple. We're not in the camps yet. We can still push back the timetable with our faith and our action and our words. If all of the 26 governors are bought and paid for, and the whole thing is a staged spectacle, 
we can still impact the result with our activity, with our belief. We're not in North Korea yet. The farmers in Europe proved that you can still storm the Bastille and get a result. It, it's getting harder and harder to do that. You're going to be debanked, you're going to be arrested, but maybe not, maybe you won't be. And that's really the problem with a lot of so-called Christian truthers that seem to always want to talk down to people that have faith that God is still actually willing to do something good. They seem to feel superior in taking the position that the only thing that God for, has for us is hammers and death and destruction. And anybody that's going to trust God for anything to change history is a doofus. But their problem is they don't know God. They don't know his word. Apparently, they don't remember when one man was able to convince God not to judge Sodom. In Genesis 18:24, one man who had the temerity to approach God said, suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, God. Destroying the righteous along with the wicked? Why would you be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same, God? That's me. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I'll spare the entire city for their sake. So here's God's answer to old Abe. God's answer to Abe. Yeah, you got a good point. Yeah, good point. Because God told them, come, let us reason together. God is good. God's a judge. God's judging the earth. God, we're in the last days. All hell's breaking loose. But in the midst of all that, there's going to be people that are going to step into that fray and tell the sun to stand still over Agilon. And then the, there'll be a victory. On the way to hell, there's going to be a bunch of victories that you're going to miss out on because you're full of unbelief and superficial analysis of what's really going on. You should be ashamed of yourself. I'm sorry. I'm just a little worked up right now. Maybe I had too much coffee this morning. What I believe the, that God is trying to say to Christian truthers who are peddling fatalism is the same rebuke that Jesus gave the disciples in Luke 8.25. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. And then in verse 25, he rebukes him and says, where is your faith? Well, that's what I'm asking the truther community, the Christian truthers. Where's your faith? I was on full-time staff in Dave Wilkerson's church for 11 years. He was a holiness preacher. He had a newsletter of over a million people. He was a preacher's preacher. And he preached hellfire and brimstone. He preached a holiness message that would bore a hole in your head. So don't lecture me about being soft on sin or not knowing God's judgment. Jesus was ticked off by his disciples not rebuking the wind. 
not speaking to the storm and telling the storm to stop being windy. And he was ticked off about it. All right, think about that for a couple of minutes. That's a geopolitical take on it, but then you have the biblical take and the walk with Christ take, which takes you to a whole nother level of detachment where, you know, you just go to a place where you're cutting the moorings to this world altogether. You know, I've got no, no problem with that. I remember this one lady, I went to this prayer mountain. So Korean lady ran this place and they had little cabins little teeny cabins, they were like prayer cabins. And they had Korean food that they would make if you were eating or if you're fasting, you didn't eat. But I remember sitting with this lady in the clubhouse and she was just oozing God. I mean, she was just emanating God. It was just flowing out of her. Every word you were like, oh, I just want to sit in your feet and just talk with you. <laughs> and I said to her, I said, respectfully, what do you do? Like, what do you do? <laughs> and she said, I pray and obey. I asked God, what do you want me to pray about? And I pray. That's her whole, whole life. Her whole life was a one trick pony life. It was incredible. So you can go there. But if you're listening to me and you've never had a counter with Christ, and but you're a truther, you're on the truther journey, right? And you've come into the truther community because you found out about the flat earth, the Bible changes, NASA stuff, and you come across this channel and you know you find us talking a lot about Jesus and God, and you're like kind of curious. Let me just share with you what it all means. Uh, the biblical worldview is that all men have fallen been born into sin like dogs have dogs cats have cats sinners have sinners so you're born separated from god it's a it's a raw deal but it's just the way it is but there is a there is a, a remedy that god provided for you it's his son so the son god the son came down and he actually did obey the Ten Commandments. He did live a sinless life, which we don't really know how it's possible, but it's what it tells us he did. And then he was punished anyway. You're only supposed to be punished if you sinned, and he didn't. So the reason he was punished was for your sin. Okay, now that's the gift, but you have to accept the gift. So the story is, if you just acknowledge what I'm saying, it's really believe... It's the, 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 the method, if there's a formula, it's repent of your sin and believe the gospel. That's it. So I just gave you the gospel. Jesus loves you. This I know. Jesus died to restore you to the Father. How do you get this gift? You repent of your sin, which means your self-directed life. You're going to stop driving the car and you're going to have a Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus will be the one steering from here on. And he'll let you know what's out of bounds and not. And then you just turn to him and you say, okay, uh, I, I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to save me. Boom. That's it. We complicate it so bad, it's ridiculous. The thief on the cross, all he said was, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was it. 
That was enough to go from dark to light. So whatever it is that you say to him, he will accept. I've heard people say, all right, well, if you're real, show me. It wasn't a very pious type of a prayer, a repentant, you know, humbling. No, it was just, but God met that person where they were at. They said that night they fell asleep and they slept like a baby. They hadn't slept in 10 years. And they woke up the next morning, they felt the peace of God. And they were born again. If you're real, show me. So you might slip down by the side of your bed before you go to bed and just fold your hands and just say, okay, Jesus, just talk to him like, like you would talk to somebody standing next to you. But just show him, show him that you, you, know, you want to honor him, right? That's why we get on our knees. It's a, it's a posture of humility. And just say, Lord, and say his name. Jesus, I ask you to help me. I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to get me fit for heaven, wash me in your blood, cleanse me of my sin, and I accept you, and I'll walk with you all the days of my life. Something like that. There's no perfect words. You just, you just step into this God. He's as close as the mention of his name, and he is faithful, and he will come in, his, in response to your earnest prayer. And many of us on here have done that, and we've been wonderfully saved. For me, it was 1983. It's like 40 years ago. 93, right? 2003, 2013, 2023. 41 years ago. I said that prayer like that in a, in a church in Newark, New Jersey, and I've never been the same. Praise the Lord. And I'm just going to pray for you. Father, for those who would accept your offer tonight, I pray for their souls. I take authority over the works of the enemy that would bind them. I, I set them free from blindness and every attachment of the devil. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to go to them and release your love and your righteous conviction of sin upon their souls, that they would give all that they have to you, that they would sell everything so that they could buy the field and have the pearl of great price. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week, Lord willing. And if you'd like to learn more about how to face the inevitable pushback that comes when you start to question the official story, be sure to pick up a copy of the Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide. It's a guidebook for persecuted truthers. It's on Amazon, or you can get it through my website, which is wakeuporelse.com. It's on audio or paperback. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter so we can be notifying you when we're doing an interactive live stream. There's a lot more content on the truther journey, as well as the supernatural Bible changes on my YouTube channel, which is Wake Up or Else, all one word. And remember, if anybody calls you a kook or a conspiracy theorist nut, you hold up your finger and you tell them, hey, I may be mistaken, but I am not crazy.